0: Welcome to the Fit for the Future podcast, which helps you navigate this fast-changing world by bringing you ideas, information, interviews, and insights for being fit for the future. Here's your host, Gihan Pereira. Hello and welcome. I hope you're thriving in your personal life and your professional life. I'm recording this in September, which for us in Australia means it's spring, which is a beautiful time. And for us in Western Australia, I think it's even better. It's my favourite time of the year. The wildflowers are blooming, the weather's warm but not too hot, people are spending more time outdoors, and right now we're in school holidays, so many people are in a holiday mood. But I also find this to be a really busy time for businesses as everyone's putting in a final spurt of energy before Christmas. And looking at my calendar, I'm really pleased to see to see the diversity of organisations that I'm working with over the next few months. Just in the next 30 days, I'll be working with a large insurance company, one of Australia's largest accounting firms, one of our largest oil and gas companies, an energy utility, a large retailer across Australia and New Zealand, even a forward-thinking high school that's looking beyond the classroom. Now, what do all these organisations have in common, apart from being my clients? Well, the answer is they're all going through massive change. And aren't we all? You don't need me to tell you that. I did hear somebody say recently that the pace of change has never been as fast as it is now and will never again be as slow as it is now. Now, I think that's one of those things that sounds profound, but really, it's quite obvious. All it means is that change is getting faster and faster. It's true now, but it was just as true 100 years ago and 200 years ago as well. But what's changed is that we aren't changing as fast as the environment around us. 200 years ago, the world around people was changing, but it was slow enough for people to anticipate it and change and adapt themselves so that they were ready for the change. That isn't true anymore. Now we need new strategies for coping with massive, constant unrelenting change so that's what we're going to talk about today today I'm going to share a webinar that I delivered recently on exactly this topic now you might know that a webinar usually isn't just audio so it doesn't really translate exactly to a podcast it usually includes visuals like slides and a good webinar is interactive because it's a live event so it has polls and audience questions and other things like that and that that was true of this webinar as well but what we've done is edit the audio carefully so you'll still get the essential message without all those other bits and pieces. This was something I delivered to the leaders in my Disruption by Design Leadership Program Um, so it was the leaders and their staff I'll tell you more about the program at the end but in brief it's a program for leaders who recognise the need for change and want to be innovators and change agents rather than being the ones who are disrupted and in the program I help leaders with strategy and help their staff develop valuable skills so this webinar was one of the skills webinars for staff the members of the program, the leaders said that many of their staff were struggling to cope with change and needed practical skills in this area so I created and delivered this webinar for their people to teach some of those skills so let's join this now and I hope you get value from it as well Welcome everybody, it's Gihan Pereira here. This is all about managing change, how, how you deal with change. And uh, of course, change is something that we're, we're all facing at the moment, regardless of our, our role, our business, our industry, a sector. And I want to give you some strategies and some, and some processes for you to be able to manage change effectively. Because I do a lot of work with organisations who are going through a lot of change, and I work with their leaders, and I also work with their team members. And this is very much aimed at both levels. So these strategies are relevant for you regardless of your role in the organisation and regardless of what change process you're going through. I've worked with a number of organisations around Australia, New Zealand and other parts of the world and many of them at a leadership level. So there's a diverse range of organisations, government, -government, uh, non-government, not-for-profit, large corporations, smaller corporations, private um, and so on. And many of them are going through similar sort of issues when it comes to change. So these strategies that we talk about today will apply across the board. The strategies we're talking about when it comes to change do apply to you and your team members as well so if you're a if you fall into one of those categories we're a business owner a senior manager or a team leader and you're you also got not just yourself but you've also got team members to consider then wear these two hats so one is of course how do you deal with change but the second one is what strategies can you use for your team members to bring them along on the change journey with you? Because that's, that's a crucial part of making change happen, is that you've got your team members along the on the journey with you. There's, there's a variety of where uh, changes that people are facing now. And uh, I often get brought into organisations and they say to me, we're going through a major organisational change process at the moment. And we're... Um, And I think and I say to them, you know, who else is? Everybody, because there's so much change happening outside that we have to be constantly running change management. And I'm I'm old enough to remember when there's a whole bunch of change management happening in the in the 1990s and the early 2000s. And now it's just it's not an initiative that uh, that you're undertaking. It's happening because the world's changing around us. All right. So. Let's start with a little exercise, a little personal exercise for yourself. Are you ready to change? So, this little exercise is going to help you understand the six different ways that people manage change or they cope with change. So, are you ready to change? So, think about some change that happened recently. In your professional life what did you do what was a change and how do you deal with it so just like you to think about it for yourself because I'm now going to go through the six ways that people typically deal with change and it'll fall into one of these six categories okay so I'm sure you've got that uh, so let me give you the example that will set the frame for this so um, a change that's happening in many people's lives is of course people have got smartphones and let me pick, pick a particular example of two businesses that face the situation of everybody is on their smartphone Smartphone all the time, and these two businesses dealt with it very differently, and they're both cafes. The cafes, people are coming in, they're ordering, but they're on their smartphone, and so it's difficult for the cafe staff to take orders because people are distracted, people are focused, they say, oh let, let me send this text first before I put in my coffee order, and of course it gets the staff upset, it gets other customers upset, and so on. So here are the ways of two cafes, face that change, situation and hear the two changes. So one of them is a cafe in Terrigal, and this made the news, uh, and what they did, what the manager of that cafe did, was he put a sign on his cash register saying, if you're on the phone at the counter, it's rude, so I'm gonna charge you more. Okay, that's one way to bring the chance to to cope with that change. He said, we'll penalise you. The second one was uh, my local cafe, uh, Juggler, down here in Perth, and uh, they had a similar situation. Everyone was coming in with their smartphone, um, and what Nino did was he said, instead of penalising people, let's take advantage of this situation, and so he was he teamed up with the people at Rewardle, and uh, Rewardle had these little coffee loyalty cards that actually weren't cards so they were an app on your phone where you just scan your phone and you earned points towards free coffees okay so this now of course there are a lot of cafes and restaurants that do this but at the time a few years ago this was quite new and innovative and revolutionary and Nina said let's take advantage of the fact that people are on their phone all the time how can we how can we use that okay so what about you so which of these two are you Uh, are you the person who says I don't like the change so I'm going to do something but it's going to restore the status quo or somebody else who says um not sure about the change but let's see if we can turn that into a positive okay so those are two of the six options let me go through the six of them and then we'll see which one you fell into okay so the first three are things that you shouldn't do so don't ignore change don't assume that the world is going to go on um exactly the same as it always has and you just go now Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. I'm not I'm just going to pretend that change isn't happening. I assume that's not true for you. Pretty sure that's not true for you. It might be true for some of your people, but we're not going to cover that one. And the second one are the people who try to run away from change or hide from it. They know the change is there, but they do everything they can to avoid it. Um, and that can work in the short term, but in the very short term. And sometimes running away from change is going out of that change frying pan into a much worse environment much worse fire okay so don't avoid change and also don't resist it so this is what that guy in Terrigal did he said I don't like the change so I'm going to do something so he's actually being active about it but he's going to resist it by trying to restore the status quo now the next three are three things which are good So another thing you could do is adapt to change or manage change. So in the cafe example, what you could do is say to your staff, if somebody's on their phone at the counter, just politely move on to the next customer, and come back to that first customer when they're ready. Okay, that that will be a way to adapt to change. The next one is what Nino did, and he said, let's embrace the change, let's see this change has happened, let's not treat it as a problem, let's see if we can take advantage of it and do something with that change to help move us forward, and maybe even to give us a little bit of a competitive edge. And the best thing that you can do, and this is not coping with change, this is actually creating the change. So if you lead the change, if you're the one that makes change happen and leaves everybody else in your trail, fantastic. Most of us don't get the chance to do that or don't get the chance to do that very often. Okay so those are the six ways that you could manage change. We're going to look at four of them. We're not going to do the ignore right at the number one and we're not going to do the one of leading change. We'll do the four in the middle. How did you deal with that change? Did you ignore it, pretend the change didn't happen? Uh, Did you run away from it? Did you try to restore the status quo? Did you find a way to work around it and adapt to it? Um, Or did you embrace the change and say, say it was a positive? So what can we do about it? Especially if you're a leader then just keep in mind that just because you do this other people don't and that's why I want to give you strategies in four of the six areas that will help you um, deal with like other situations where you may not be adapting to it or embracing it and also dealing with people in your team who don't quite know how to adapt or embrace change. Okay, so let's look at these six areas. Okay, so we're not gonna look at that first one. We're not gonna look at uh, the ignore. So people who ignore change and pretend it's not happening. Let's not worry about them just yet. Um, We're gonna look at the people who avoid change and I'll give you strategies for how to um, assist them and yourself as well. Uh, Also people who resist change and try to restore the status quo. What can you do for them? And I'm calling those below the line so ignore avoid and resist are things are ineffective ways to manage change they might work but even if they work they only work in the short term what you really want to do is be above the line and adapt to change embrace change or ideally uh, lead the change so I'm going to take away lead the change and we're going to look at these four here avoid resist adapt and embrace and for each of them I'm going to give you some some strategies to work through them. And just keep in mind, as as I said, below the line um, are the, the things that we want to change. So people avoiding change, we want to change that. People who are resisting change, we want to change that as well. You know what? The people who are adapting to change and embracing change are doing pretty okay, doing pretty well. So for these two areas, when we get to these two, adapt and embrace, I'm going to give you ways to to build on that. So people who are adapting to change, um, you don't have to get them to the point where they're embracing change. You don't have to move them up this uh, this ladder or these steps. Uh, it's quite okay for them to be adapting to change and just do it more effectively. Um, similarly, people who are embracing change, fantastic. You don't need them suddenly to change. It change-into-change leaders be a fish out of water because they're pretty good at embracing change okay so the strategies for avoid and resist are going to help you move people out of that the strategies for adapt and embrace are going to help you amplify that okay let's let's look at these four areas for each of them I'm going to give you some practical strategies okay so if, if you've got people who are avoiding change or if you're avoiding change in some situations then what can you do very broadly build resilience so there's a lot of talk about resilience at the moment how do we get more resilient how do we um, bounce back when, uh, when we have setbacks how do we make sure that we can um, pull ourselves up when we get knocked over and that's resilience is useful it's not everything and uh, it doesn't it doesn't solve all the change problems because being resilient is fine but you don't want to be always being knocked over so you can bounce back what you want to be doing is moving forward as well but resilience has its place and this is where it is okay so if you've got people who are avoiding change or you're avoiding change you're trying to run away from change then resilience is one of the best things that you can build in them so um, and resilience is just the ability to be able to face changes and setbacks and be able to come back from them and especially useful if there are people it they're trying to run away from it because they're worried that they won't be able to survive change resilience will give them tools to be able to manage that okay so first thing framing around resilience is that life is all about change this is a dictionary definition of life and life is blah 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 and continual change preceding death so change is just a normal everyday part of life if we're not changing is because we're not living. So yeah, change is happening, it, it it is part of life, it's part of the definition of what distinguishes us from things that aren't living. So uh, yes, yeah, so, and it's easy, again, it's easy for me to say that, but it's useful to have that uh, that perspective that change is is normal, change is normal. But if you want some practical strategies for building resilience, I'm going to give you three of them here. Okay, and so the three strategies, and we'll go through them um, individually, is to get some distance or perspective, to take baby steps towards change, and then find a support network. Now, there are people who run full-day workshops, longer than full-day workshops about resilience, and there's a lot more to resilience than this, but these three things just briefly, if you put them into practice, they'll make a big difference to you in terms of building your resilience. So let's talk about them. So the first one here is getting distance or perspective, okay, and this are simply saying that when you're caught up in the middle of all the change, it's not easy to, the, the old saying, can't see the wood for the trees because you're stuck in the middle of the forest and you can't see the big picture. So let me give you two perspective building tools or two distance building tools. So one of them is to is to give you distance through time. This is a question to ask yourself about the, about the changes happening. If you're feeling stressed about it, what will it mean for you 10 minutes from now, 10 months from now, and 10 years from now? In the short term, it may be a bit of pain. Um, 10 months from now, it may be that people are still adjusting to it. 10 years from now, you might say, actually, you know, that was a very, very minor thing that happened 10 years ago, and it's no big deal. Or you might say, actually, there was a, There's a situation there that means that 10 like now, I'm really glad that change happened because as a result of that, my life is so much better, blah, 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 or so much worse, blah, blah, blah. There's no right or wrong answer to this. It's just giving people a different perspective on it. Okay, and the idea here is the perspective comes from time. As people sometimes say, you know, comedy is tragedy plus time. All right? So not a lot of stand-up com- comedy is based on people talking about things that were painful in their life that they've now been able to see, get some perspective, and see the funny side of it. Now, you don't have to go that extreme, but what you're doing is you're giving yourself that that external perspective. So if you're coaching your people through change, that's, this is one of the strategies that you can use. If you're coaching yourself through change, this is one of the strategies you can use. The other strategy around giving distance is distance. So we talked about distance by time. How about distance by looking at it from somebody else's perspective? Metaphorically, you're trying to put the square peg into this round hole and you don't know what to do and you've run out of ideas. Uh, You're stuck, you're stuck. So there's this problem that you're trying to solve. In this case, we're talking about a change problem. And the question is, what would somebody else do in this situation. So in relationships for example, relationship counsellors, uh, they might ask you the question, what would your best friend advise you to do in this situation? Would you say, yeah, you've got to break up with him, or would he say, and yeah, mate, you've got to stick in there. Um the question another question might be, what would Um, somebody who is your hero say or do in this situation so what you're doing is you're channeling uh, somebody else's perspective and it doesn't mean that you have to go and ask your best friend or ask your hero all you're doing is taking yourself out of the situation and imagining what that person would say. Um, So for example I worked with a group of students I don't do a lot of work with uh, school students but I did this one workshop with them and they were talking about study and how they get stressed when they're coming up to exams and we were talking about stress management techniques and I said okay let's do this exercise so you know who's your hero and what would they do in this situation and one of the students she said to me and well my hero is Harry Potter and so my question was what would Harry Potter what would Harry do in this situation and she came up with three things that Harry would do that would that helped her reduce the stress in her situation now she wasn't in any way channeling Harry Potter or JK Rowling Uh, literally, she wasn't writing to Rowling and saying, or reading the Harry Potter books to look for examples, what she was doing is, uh, it was all out of her own imagination, but she was able to step out of her her role as a student studying for exams and say, what would Harry Potter do in this situation? Okay, so these two exercises, even though they seem like all you're doing is imaginary, so Giving yourself distance, uh, distance from time, or distance from somebody else's perspective, they can be so valuable. Okay, so that's the first thing, is to give yourself distance. And the second thing is to take baby steps. Again, remember we're talking about people who are avoiding change here, who are trying to run away from it. So, you know, the babies, they learn to run by doing a lot of crawling, then they learn to walk, and then only after that can they run. Again, it seems like a very, very simple example, but if you're running away from change, if you're escaping change, then, and you want to change that behaviour, then you're not going to do it by Immersing yourself in the biggest change possible. Okay. You're not trying to um, jump into freezing cold water to, to get used to the water. What you're trying to do is you do, you're taking baby steps first, right? You dip your toe in. Now, let's, let's not mix metaphors here. Uh, you crawl first, then you walk you run so find ways to do little bits of change and it may not be change at work it might be that you do a little bit of change um, in your personal life and then just see how that feels because a lot of this is around feeling it's about the feeling and the emotion that goes into change because we all know how to change and we all change all the time it's just sometimes our emotions don't allow us to change because they're trying to protect us from what the change is going to create for us and that's why people avoid change and for the same reason look for support and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean professional support from counselors but it could mean a support network of people who can who are going through similar change and who can help each other so what you don't want is you don't want to have a pity party so you don't want to have a whole bunch of people who are going woe is me change is coming our lives are going to be destroyed we're going to lose our jobs i felt fam- won't be able to support our families what you want are people who can help you uh, with these strategies with these resilient strategies okay and the best way to start is just with one or two people and uh, and then use some of these strategies. They don't have to be people within your team either. Sometimes it's really useful to have diverse people from outside your team, so from outside your the, the same network, because their perspective might be quite different. Okay, and then the last thing I'll say about building resilience, there's this quotation, which is um, not quite sure who... Uh, it originated from, but the person it's most attributed to is Ian McLaren, uh, who says, be kind, for everybody you meet is fighting their own battle or fighting a hard battle. So you don't know what's happening in other people's lives. And I want you to apply this, specifically the reason I'm sharing it is because I think that the person you should be most kind to is yourself. Uh, if you're avoiding change, if you're running away from it, then don't expect that you can snap your fingers and completely change around to be able to embrace change. Okay, so I've spent quite a bit of time on that first one because it is there are a lot of people who are in this stage where they're avoiding change. They're they, They're running away from it because change is too scary for them. There are also some people in this other, in the next level up, which is that they understand change is there, and what they're doing is they're resisting it. So they want to, they want to take action about the change, but the action is trying to bring them back to the way things used to be. Uh, so what you do there for them, or for you, if you're in that situation, is to reframe their actions, because they recognise change and they're actually doing stuff. They might even be, be quite creative about what they're doing it's just that their creativity and their actions are channeled to bringing things back to the way they were so is there a way to reframe it to rechannel uh, their actions so that it's moving them in a positive direction rather than all their energy is going to pulling them back okay so here we're going to talk about reframing here and uh, the three reframes and broadly speaking look i've got i've got these under three different definitions context reframe meaning reframe extreme reframe but it doesn't matter what the the labels that we attach to it the big principle around it is to think about the change that's happening to think about it differently to have a different attitude towards the change um, and that that different attitude might give you different insights. So let, let's talk about these three. And the, but the basic principle is you're thinking differently about what the change means to you and uh, what it could mean. Because we just we're making up the meaning of the change. And if we change the meaning that we give to it, then we can change our approach to it. Okay, let me give you some concrete examples. So context reframe is simply saying, in what situations is this appropriate? So, is it appropriate for a parent to let their kids scream loudly on an aeroplane when they're playing? Okay, and there are other passengers around. Most people say, no, that's not appropriate. But Is it always inappropriate for kids to let their, um, for parents to let their kids scream loudly? Of course not. And and there's a thing called inside voice, right? And you hear parents say "shh," inside voice, and that means there's there's a time that's appropriate and a time that is not. Uh, So what you're looking for is in what context is this a good thing? Because we're talking about people who are resisting change, so they're saying change is a bad thing. Under what con- in what context is that a good thing? For example, a hammer is a tool. Att- a hammer can be used to-, to shatter things and to break them, or it can be used to help make things. And is a hammer good or bad? Well, there's no right answer to that. It just depends on the context in which it's been used. Is this change good or bad? Well, it's not objectively good or bad. It just depends on the context in which it's been used. So let's go back to our example of people who are on their mobile phones all the time. So is it bad that somebody's on their mobile phone when you're in their, in their environment as well? Now, this uh, is, is that a context where... It's inappropriate. So in a cafe where somebody's waiting for you to order and you're on your phone, that may not be an appropriate um, behavior. But in what context is it okay for you to be on your phone when there are other people around? Well, there are tons of them. You could be on public transport and all you're doing is you're checking your phone while you're travelling somewhere. It could be that you're the second or the third person in line at the cafe and you're on your phone. You're not holding up anybody else, you're not distracting anybody else. It's completely appropriate. So what you're looking for are contexts where that that behaviour is appropriate. and. Looking for these contexts, it just sounds like you're just playing this mental game, and it's not just that. It's just it's the the idea is to reframe the thinking around. Oh, she's on her phone. That's a bad thing. It's not true. And um, we say kids are always commu- they're on their phone. They never look up and they never talk in real life. Well, there are times when they're actually communicating. They're just communicating in different ways. Now, obviously, there are times when that's inappropriate, but there may be times when that's good as well. So we're looking for different contexts where that change is appropriate. So if you're going through a restructure um, and you say that restructure is really bad because it's going to be really bad for my team um, and really bad and my job might be at risk but is there a context where that restructure is appropriate? Maybe there is, maybe there, for the company to succeed and to survive it needs to go through that restructure and the context is that the bigger picture is that restructure is good Okay, and again, it doesn't mean that uh, you can say, well, now I've, I've seen that it's good, therefore, magically, everything's okay. It's not, but it's just giving you a different perspective. Okay, that's a context reframe. And the next one's a meaning reframe. So this is saying, instead of saying that change, change means something bad, could it actually mean something good and again it's not assigning a judgment to the change it's trying to remove the emotion from the change so you can look more objectively at it for example there's a story and this story again is attributed to various places I've heard this about in uh, ancient China where a farmer, a farmer inherits a horse okay so a friend dies which is a bad thing um, but as a result of that um, he leaves his friend who's a farmer, um, his prize horse, and uh, so so. Then everyone says to the farmer, "Oh, so sorry to hear that your friend died, but isn't it good that you've got this horse?" And the farmer goes, "Is it bad or is it good?" Um, and then. The farmer's horse ra- runs away, and so his friends come to him and goes, "Oh, so sorry to hear that your horse has run away." And the farmer shrugs and goes, "Is it bad or is it good?" And then the farmer comes back, uh, the horse comes back with another, a wild horse, and now the farmer's got two horses. And the friends go, "Fantastic, great news!" The farmer goes, "Is it bad or is it good?" Uh, but then the the son who was riding the wild horse, um, the wild horse jumped, and the son fell off, and broke his leg and then his friends come to commiserate and uh, they say that's terrible news and the farmer shrugs and goes is it bad or is it good and then as a result the country goes to to war and the town the townspeople are called on but the son isn't called up for war because of his broken leg and so again is it bad or is it good so the point I'm making here is that circumstances happen change happens decisions have to be made um, circumstances change and the way that the way that we think about it the meaning that we give give to it can affect the way that we act as a result of it so again going back to the uh, cafe example remember in this cafe the the cafe in Terrigal the manager said this is a This means, somebody on their phone means that they're rude. He's actually used the word rude. But is that person being rude? Well, maybe, from some people's perspective. And when this story did make the media, there were a lot of people supporting this cafe manager saying, "Just it's about time, yeah, these young people, they're on their phone all the time. It's about time that someone took a stand against them or... To do something about it okay but rude is just a personal judgment call on a situation and uh, you can you can have a different meaning attached to it okay and the last one which is this extreme reframe so this is not always easy but it's like playing this game where you say this is exactly what we need okay so instead of seeing the change as something you want to resist you say wow that's exactly what we need do we need restructures? Uh, do we need a restructure Instead of being resisting, uh, resistant to it, it uh, can say that's exactly what we need. And then somebody else goes, why? How can that be? Uh, and then you have to find reasons why that restructure uh, or whatever that changes could be a really positive thing. And let me pick another one, um, so some business process change often uh, cause a lot of stress and strain and frustration for people and discomfort, uh, but if you say that's exactly what we need and then try to find a way to justify it. New ownership, so new ownership often brings with it a lot of change and uncertainty and a little bit of fear, uh, many people feel that way when there is new ownership and you go new ownership that's exactly what we need and then you have to find a way to justify it. We're going to move on to now the, the positive side of it above the line. We're going to spend less time in these two areas around adapting to change and embracing change because the people you really want to bring along are the people who are avoiding, so trying to run away from it, or the people who are resisting change. So we spent most of our time in this area, which is what I wanted to do. And um, let's move on to these other two areas, which I don't want to talk about in a lot of detail, but let, let's talk about them briefly. So these are people who adapt to change, and that's fine. Great, fantastic that they're adapting to change. Just help them, just give them more problem-solving skills. So they're already open to the idea that change is happening, and we need to adapt to it, we need to find ways to work around it. Uh, So just teach them ways to do that more effectively. And uh, the modern way of solving problems, and I run a whole workshop on this, uh, so we won't go into that in detail, is to do it in small chunks. So start small. A fail if you need to but then pick yourself up and try again rather than trying to solve massive problems and um, if you want people to solve problems fast uh, make sure you know what the outcome is and then just do things fast there's a, there's a term called ooching and ooching is I think it originally came from sailing so um, I think that's where the term came from but basically it means trying little things fast so it's the exact opposite of jumping headfirst into something. So rather than uh, making a full 100% commitment to something, what you do is you try a little experiment. And you hear these terms now in modern uh, performance, productivity, innovation. Um, build a prototype, run a little pilot project. And and there are these processes which you may have come across, design thinking and lean startup, which are all around that. So lean startup, one of the biggest biggest principles that people know about is you look for an MVP, the minimum viable product. And what you're looking for here is something that you say, uh, what's the, the smallest thing that I can get out there in the world that customers would value and they'd use? And let's put that out there. See what the customers say um, it may be a raving success in which case we'll keep working on it and uh, we'll keep doing that or it may be a dismal failure in which case we'll drop it and start again knowing that we didn't commit much to it so if you've got people who uh, you know adapt to change and if you know that you're adapting to change then learn some of these skills about you know, design thinking learn about the lean startup and um, learn about ooching and actually do it so do it, just do small small projects fast to adapt to the change and try out little things. So in the cafe example, people on their phone, what can you do about it? Try different things. You might say, let's serve the customer next in line. You might say, um, what, what else might you say? You might say um, that you're going to have, allow people to send in their orders by phone. Uh, you might do a whole bunch of things that could work and you just try them. You just try them and see which ones do work okay so the last area the main reason I'm sharing this with you is because i want to share with you this word anti-fragile so if you've got people who are embracing change or you're one of those people who embraces change in your organization or your team then um these are the people who are anti-fragile so you know what something that's fragile so something that's fragile is something that's very vulnerable to change you shake it and it shatters, or you touch it and it falls apart. Antifragile is not something that's stable, that resists change, that's, uh, that's solid, that you shake it, it doesn't fall apart. It's exactly the, the opposite of fragile. Fragile is change happens, it falls apart. Antifragile is it needs change to happen for it to flourish and grow. Okay, now that sounds like a really counterintuitive thing, so much so that that word anti-fragile didn't even exist until about a decade ago when uh, Nicholas Taleb wrote this book, Anti-Fragile, and it's called Things That Gain From Disorder. So, you know, people who invest, who trade on the stock market, they rely on shares, uh, stocks going up and down because they rely on the volatility in order to make money because they're relying on that uh, rise or fall and they'll make money in a rising market, they'll make money in a falling market, uh, but they rely on some volatility. If there's if there's no change, then it's very difficult for them to make money. It, it relies on disorder. There aren't many things in your life that are anti-fragile, but the people who embrace change, they love that change is happening all around them, and they're eagerly looking forward to it. They're bored if you don't have change. So very quickly, let me give you three strategies for you to be more anti-fragile. So if you're the person who already embraces change, fantastic. These are things that you can use for yourself. If you're a team leader or a manager and you've got these anti-fragile people in your organization who get fidgety if change isn't happening then here are things that you can get them to do as well. Okay so um the three things break something, find a reverse mentor and fire yourself. So if you want to be more anti-fragile then change some of your habits. In fact make change a habit. I'd right? say so instead of always doing things the same way all the time, do things differently. Next time you go out and order a coffee, order something that you wouldn't normally order. So don't do your standard coffee order, try something different. Um, That's one simple thing. When you go to work, try a different way of going to work. Wear some clothes, (laughs) uh, accessorise in a way that you wouldn't otherwise, mix and match in a way you wouldn't otherwise. So make change a habit and, and get the feeling of what it's like to be okay with change. The second thing that you can do especially if you're senior and experienced is to have a reverse mentor. So reverse mentoring says instead of doing the traditional mentoring where the senior person mentors a more junior person do it the other way around where the more junior person mentors and they share their particularly the different perspective with the more senior person in the team. Um, And the idea is again get ideally, like more junior, often means the younger person. And the younger person is the one, and you know this, Generation Y and Generation Z, they love change. They they live for it, they're bored if there isn't change happening. So if you've got those people in your team or in your life, then bring them on board, let them mentor you, uh, because they're already anti-fragile, they're already thinking about uh, change and they they love change to happen. So my last little quotation around this is a quotation from an American author, Upton Sinclair, and he says it's pretty, it's hard to get somebody to understand something when their salary depends on them not understanding it. And um, I'm sharing this here right at the end because it's, it seems odd, it seems counterintuitive, but the idea is that lots of people don't want to change because they know that change is a risk to them personally and uh, they will put on blinkers they will refuse to accept something that could be a risk to them and again if you want to be more anti-fragile expose yourself to things that might be a risk to you and this is exactly why I say you know this is like firing yourself so if you didn't have this job then you had to make this decision more objectively and your salary wasn't Uh, riding on it, your family and your lifestyle wasn't riding on it, um, what would you do and how would you act? And again, anti-fragile people just go, I don't really care what's happened in the past, Uh, I see this opportunity so I'm going to take it. Not easy to do, but um, if you want to be more anti-fragile, then do it. So we've covered these four things around avoiding change, resisting change, adapting to change and embracing change. I just want to ask you, what will you do? What practical things will you take on board and do? I want to tell you very quickly about my Disruption by Design program, which is designed for leaders and business owners to lead the change in a fast-changing world. See, what's happened is that most organizations and businesses go through three phases of growth, and I find many of them are stuck in phase two, and they're not sure what to do next. So, The first phase is when the organisation or the business starts, you see some customers out there with certain problems and so you design a business that can solve those problems and you hire the people with the right skills and talents to be able to solve them. Great, it's a perfect fit. Uh, The people work really hard, you strive and the organisation grows. Then what happens is the world changes around you. You've still got some of those customers with those same problems and if your business hasn't changed you know how to solve them, but... Because the world's changed, you've now got new customers with new problems as well, and they want different solutions, and your business may not be a good fit anymore for them. It's like a square peg in a round hole, and many businesses here struggle to survive. The ones who thrive are the ones who recognize that the world has changed, and they change their business, they get new talent, or they upskill the people they've already got to be a good fit again, to be able to solve a different set of problems for the customer of the future. Unfortunately, many businesses don't, so they're still solving the same problems uh, in the same way and unfortunately they don't have customers anymore because the world has changed. The ones who are innovative are the ones who recognise that the customer of the future is very different than the customer of the past and so we need different solutions and the ones who don't are disrupted. So, if you want to be one of those innovative organizations, you need three things the skill of foresight, which is looking into the future to understand who your customers are and what problems they're going to have in the future and also what tools and technology you've got to be able to solve them second you need the talent you need the people who've got those skills and the ability to solve those problems and third of course you need the ability to take action and get things done in a fast changing world those three things foresight talent and action are the three components of my book disruption by design which has more than fifty ideas for you To be able to innovate from the inside out. See, disruption and innovation are exactly the same thing. It's disruption when it happens to you, it's innovation when you do it. And those are also the three main components of my Disruption by Design program, which has touch points. It's an ongoing program, uh, usually a minimum of 12 months, but you can keep going, and has touch points typically every month. And It's got three areas, so you get access to me, you get access to peers from different industries for the diversity, and your team gets access to the skills that they need to be successful in the future. So if you'd like to know more about the Disruption by Design program, please get in touch. I'd love to have a chat with you about how we can make this work for you, your team, and your organization. I hope you enjoyed that and found something that you can use in your personal and your professional life. Let's work together. I work with organizations and teams at all different levels. So I do conference speaking as a keynote speaker. I can talk about disruption, leadership, change and innovation, and being fit for the future. I also run workshops for your leadership teams and your team members and help you with strategic planning as well. To find out more about these services, and also to get access to my other valuable resources like videos and blog and podcast and articles, go to my website, gihanperera.com. acom See you in the future. For show notes, past episodes and more, visit gihanperera.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.